When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Podcast One presents The Doctor and Mrs. Guinea Pig Show with Heather and Terry Dubrow. Does it work or is it a crock? No worries. Doctor and Mrs. Guinea Pig are on the case. This is Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig. I'm Heather Dubrow. And I'm Dr. Terry Dubrow. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. How Hello. are you? Hi, Anya. Hey, babe. Did you see the new Podcast One app? It's so cool. It's so cool. You guys, you've got to get the Podcast One app. There's no other podcast app like this. Yeah. What does it do? Well, it's super easy, first of all. And you can find out everything about your favorite shows. You can get more content, find articles, social media, make playlists. You can comment. You make like a little social group. That's cool. With your other fellow podcast listeners. And you can get 360 videos or you can watch a bunch of shows in virtual reality. Really? Oh, yeah. There's over a thousand videos on there right now. It's like you're in the studio. Huh. By the way, it's so cool. And you can get rewards for listening. You're, well, it's free. It's so cool. Go check it out. Podcast uh, One app. It's very easy to navigate. Yeah, go get it at the App Store or Google. By the way, I have to tell you that I mentioned on Heather Dubrow's World that we are going to be soon looking for guinea pigs to get on our diet and exercise plan. And all of a sudden, there's hundreds. So let's talk. Hundreds. Really? Let's talk about. Let's talk about the requirements. Yeah. Okay. That's a great idea. Okay. So we want to make sure that we demonstrate the effectiveness of our new diet plan and our diet book. So we're really looking for people who have, you know, a significant amount of weight to lose because although our diet plan will work for absolutely anyone, in fact. In many ways, it's sort of ideal for people who have between 5 and 25 pounds to lose. We really want to show the power of it by showing how quickly, how effectively, and how painlessly you can lose weight if you're much more overweight. So what are we looking for, honey? We're looking for people who have how much? Uh, I would say a minimum of 50 pounds to lose. Yeah. And someone who maybe has been living a mildly sedentary life. Right. That is really look at who's ready to make the change because let's be honest, nothing's easy. I, I I don't want this to be some misguided. Hey, take a pill and you're going to be thin. Or oh, this is so easy. This you know what? Getting fit and losing weight takes effort. Right. What's cool about it is is that once you get there, what we what we are teaching you is that the life maintenance is not. Right. But I think the one thing about this diet that is going to be very effective and very useful is that although there's an initial period of discomfort, it quickly evolves into a diet that's very doable, 
you see results very quickly. And once you get past sort of that initial tough stage, and it's not even that tough, then it's actually much easier than all other diets you've ever tried. So this diet is unique from a multiple of perspectives, people would say a multitude of perspectives, one of which is the speed at which it works. Secondly, the which the uh, the ease after a certain initial period of which it works, and the effectiveness. And uh, it's not a restrictive diet, so it's going to be something we think is very unique. It also has incredible anti-aging properties, which is one of the incredible unique features of the way we've devised this diet. You're not only going to lose weight, but you're going to notice your hair's thicker, your skin's better. You're going to notice that you feel powerful. This is a powerful diet. Well, this is a program for life. This isn't just a quick fix. I mean, although there's a quick fix element to it, if you have something coming up in the short term, but it's really a diet that's going to sustain you for life. You know, one of the reasons that I was really interested in doing this was because I saw people in my world, uh, parents, uh, aunts, uncles that are older than me and weren't able to find something that was sustainable. Uh, quick fixes, crash dieting, that kind of thing, fine, but something sustainable for life to keep you not just, look, we all want to look fabulous, right? So we all want to look great and we want to feel great, but it's about longevity, right, honey? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, I'm a little more selfish in what I, the reason I want to get involved in this. I wanted to use all of our years of experience, both on a practical and a clinical level to devise a diet that is safe effective and fast. But I uh, wanted to really sort of figure out one that works for me <laughs> because I'm a yo-yo dieter. I will go up as much as 35 pounds, sometimes 40, and I will get ripped. And I want to find a diet that allows me to sort of maintain a peaceful homeostasis, meaning I'm just in good shape and I have no problem staying on the diet. And also, I'm into results as a plastic surgeon. I want a before and after. I want it fast. I mean, you know, you come into me with a bump in your nose. I'm, I'm filing that bump down. You come to me with a small breast. I'm making them bigger in an hour. I want you to get the plastic surgery results that it, it, that you can get from plastic surgery in a diet. So that's what I was selfishly trying to devise. How are you? Um, I'm good. You know, by the way, did you hear that um, – Angelina Jolie just came out and said, you know, obviously it was a very tough year for her because in the last couple of years, she got divorced. She's getting divorced. She had a double mastectomy. Double mastectomy. And she also comes out that she has, she had Bell's palsy. I didn't hear that. Yeah. When did she have Bell's palsy? Could you palsy? imagine having Bell's palsy being you or her or anyone? I've like had Bell's palsy. Well, you've had a very- I had Bell's palsy when I was pregnant- yeah. And then I had what do you call it? A trilingual trigeminal trigeminal neuralgia. neuralgia yeah. thing. Which is almost like if you picture the shape of a three on the side of your face, which started for me in January. I was at a party and I felt uh, a twitch and mm -hmm. then I got numb in a three shape on my face. Scary. Yeah. So um it, it, Bell's palsy, if you don't know what it is, it's very devastating. Maybe we should talk about it for yeah. a minute because it just affected We have Angelina a friend who has it too. We have a very close friend, a guy, um, who really got a sort of a semi-devastating version of it where we should first talk about what it is before we tell you 
Um, and I think a lot of people have heard the term Bell's palsy, but what it is is it's a it a, we think it's a viral infection of the seventh cranial nerve. Now there are twelve cranial nerves, nerves that that come from the um, the base of the brain and have functions that are very, very specific. For example, the seventh cranial nerve is called the facial nerve and it supplies all of the motor function to the face. The fifth cranial nerve is the sense is the trigeminal nerve and that supplies all the sensory functions of the face. So the seventh cranial nerve is what moves your face. If you get a Bell's palsy, it's essentially an interruption due to, we think, a viral infection of the seventh cranial nerve and you basically get facial paralysis. And it's very important because Bell's palsy is becoming more and more common. So Why is that? Um, I think that it's probably because – um, we're sort of living in closer quarters probably now. You it's know. viral. It's, we think it's viral, but it could be it could be sort of an autoimmune thing. But anyway, we think it's viral. And it's in the same family as zoster, it, shingles. We think it is. We, is that the same family as chickenpox? Yes. So And herpes. It, Oh, and herpes. Yes. So is it possible that These some – are all herpes viruses. We're not sure that the Bell's palsy virus is a herpes virus because it's never really been isolated, but we're assuming it is. But our friend that has it has zoster and Bell's well, palsy. Well, right? I mean not to get too detailed with him. He actually probably had a zoster infection in an area where the seventh nerve, the facial nerve – it is it enters in a very narrow canal and it probably got inflamed and squeezed down on the seventh nerve. So it may actually not be a Bell's palsy that he actually had, but he has the manifestation of Bell's palsy. Anyway, I don't want to go too much into that. So Bell's palsy, this is the way it works, okay? So suddenly you're going along and you start to feel – you can feel pain. That's not the most common symptom. You start to feel a little weakness or twitching on the side of your face. And it's only on one side. And sure enough, you walk over to the mirror, you're brushing your teeth, and you notice that your face looks sort of uneven in the beginning. And within a, a short period of time, you notice that you can't either elevate your lip, can't elevate your brow, you've got a facial droop. It looks like you're having a stroke. And obviously, if you're having a stroke, you want to bite down on an aspirin, get your butt to the hospital. Right, and make sure that you get on the appropriate medications to diagnose and control your stroke. But this is not a stroke. This is an infection of the seventh cranial nerve, the facial nerve. So if you think you're having a Bell's palsy, what you immediately need to do, because you can limit the damage the Bell's palsy does, is oh, by the way, it can lead to full one-sided facial paralysis. Mm. Completely out. And it, we have a friend It's so who, scary. And if it happens to a woman, it is devastating. If it happens to men, it ain't so good either. But if it happens to a woman, particularly a woman who makes her living, well, any woman, any woman, you know, but someone like an actress or a model, could you imagine? It's over. It's so, instantly done. What did Angelina Jolie say about it? She said she had Bell's palsy. So I don't know exactly what her manifestation, how weak her face got, but could you imagine? So here's the deal. You wake up one morning. 
and you feel a little twitching and weakness, you look in the mirror. What I would tell you to do is act like you're going to blow up a balloon, go like puff your cheeks out. If one cheek isn't going out as much as the other cheek, you immediately get your buns to an emergency room because you want to limit the damage that theoretically that Bell's palsy can cause. And the way to do that is you get the emergency room and they will give you an immediate dose of steroids, which will theoretically reduce the inflammation caused by the infection and the inflammation is in the nerve itself. And then you want to get a high dose antivirals. And it's usually, you know, so Virax, something against the herpes virus, Valtrex, acyclovir, whatever, whatever the doctor's going to give you. And then there's a couple other things they're giving you these days that I won't bore you with. But the point is, it time is of the essence. You need to get on those things immediately because if you wait and you wait till it looks like, you know, you're really paralyzed, then you, it may be permanent. And they can be permanent, but it may go on much longer. And these things can last a year or two. It's so scary. I've always been terrified of Bell's palsy. Yeah. So we, we're we so terrified of it. I'm sure in Heather's case, we've actually overdiagnosed it a few times to the point where Heather will call me. Well, this last time, I swear, I thought it was Bell's palsy because I had a twitch and then I had a weird numbness in the side of my face. Right. So she called me. And, excuse me, and I immediately did two things. One, I called into the pharmacy all the medications I know that she needs so that we could instantaneously within 20 minutes get it. And two, I called my buddies at the emergency room at Hoke Hospital where I'm on staff. And I said, hey, uh, I think my wife may be starting Bell's palsy. What's the current protocol for treating Bell's palsy? And so, you know, I just wanted to make sure she, I was covering all my bases. And uh, I figure, you know, a a dose of steroids and a dose of antivirals never hurt anybody in case I was wrong. But that's the big thing with Bell's palsy is that you want to get the antivirals and the steroids in immediately. That's not something you let sit because that right. can really make the difference, right? Right, right. And so you may never get Bell's palsy. You may know, never know someone who gets Bell's palsy, but it's so devastating that it's something you want to be very aware of and if your friends get it, if your relatives get it or you start to get it, you get your butt in the emergency room. You get it treated because if it's permanent, then you're talking about a devastating cosmetic injury. You're talking about a life-changing event and you're talking about the possibility that you're going to need – at best, major, major microsurgical nerve reconstruction that at best is just – kind of to make you look from a monster into a, an ugly person. I mean, you know, and, the, and that's not a very nice thing to say. My point is, you know, you don't want to look like you should be wearing half a mask. Uh, yeah, being in the public eye is very, very difficult, especially when there's stuff going on. By the way, did I tell you that Leah Remini's show, Scientology and the Aftermath on a &E, it got nominated for an Emmy? Uh, it's amazing. Huge. It's, it's, it, it's so – think about how brave she is doing that. I love her. It's unbelievably brave and it's returning for its second season. It got a second season? Yeah, August 15th. They have 10 new episodes. Wow. I think it's cool. She's got very high-level former Scientology executives on the show, church members, and they really get into um, how these pure people experienced leaving the church. So she's basically turning survivors into fighters. Huh? Isn't that cool? I like I like when people at their own potential in their own potential jeopardy reveal truths 
and seek justice even when they put themselves potentially in harm's way. Yeah, she's a true hero. She is a true hero. And oh, by the way, if you haven't seen the first season, you can see it through On Demand or the A and E app. Um, but check out season two of Leah Remini's Scientology in the Aftermath on August fifteenth on the A and E network. You know, it, it's interesting when I was thinking about talking about Bell's palsy tonight, I was thinking about plastic surgery operations that are lousy. Lousy plastic surgery operations that people do all the time that suck, that are crappy like operations. What? So you want to go over some of the top five crappy plastic surgery operations yeah, I want that, to hear that. that even in the best hands are pretty crappy that are still pretty popular? Yeah, I want to hear. All right. So let's say you lose some weight. Then you go to your doctor and your plastic surgeon and you say, my inner thighs are loose. And he says, oh, why don't we do an inner thigh lift? And an inner thigh lift is a procedure where you make an incision. There's two ways. One, you can make it in the groin, hiding it up in the groin crease. Or two, you can make it longitudinally from the upper thigh down to the knee, which is a you know, a, a seam, a longitudinal seam. And you don't want to do that if you can avoid it. Now, if you've lost 300 pounds – there's no choice. You're doing it. You're doing it and you're happy to do it and I'll do it for you. But my point is if you have lost mm, a little bit of weight or you've got a little bit older, your, your legs got a little bit loose, hopefully a plastic surgery you walk into is not going to offer you the long seam longitudinal thigh lift. But he offers you the inner thigh lift based on the growing crease in the inner thigh. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll tell you why. Why? There are very few patients – in whom it works. And it's one of these things where if you go to a young plastic surgeon with no gray hair, he doesn't even know it doesn't work yet. He was trained how to do it. He probably did one or two or he saw one or two. And the only reason he saw one or two is because it's not popular and no one's doing it at the university he taught, he, he trained at. And he hasn't got on the learning curve to realize, oh yeah, this is a suck operation. Well, you've always said that. You've always been so – one of the things I love about you as a doctor is you've always been brutally honest that there are some procedures in plastic surgery that are awesome, yeah. that really work well and are pretty universally satisfying to everyone. Yeah. Like a facelift, oh, yeah. a breast augmentation, like that. And then there are other procedures that are not that great. That suck. That are really like it's the best you guys can come up with for now. Yes. There's nothing else to do until you know some kind of laser can be invented to shrink skin. Yeah. That that aren't. So what what is on that list? So so inner thigh lift to treat laxity in your inner thigh. Don't do that operation unless you're super skinny and you've lost a couple hundred pounds and it's so bad. That even if the oh why is it so bad by the way because there's something about the inner thigh that even if you fixate the tissue strongly with uh, sutures uh, that it's still the scar widens descends and something on the line when you look at studies of 33 percent of people have the operation the wound pops open and turns into a chronic chronic wound problem so it's a sucky operation it doesn't work very well now that's one inner thigh lift number two. I'm actually, are you ready for this? Going to put nose job on the Really? Here's, here's the exception. Why? Because most plastic surgeons who do nose jobs, which, which by the way, we all do nose jobs. Most guys don't do enough to make them any good at it. So the they're very ad, complicated. They're very complicated. They require a lot of experience. And the difference between playing tennis, 
playing baseball and being a surgeon, because I consider them all sports, surgery is a sport, is that you can practice playing tennis. You can practice playing baseball and get really good at it. You cannot practice plastic surgery. We The joke is we call it the practice of plastic surgery because every time you're operating, you're actually practicing. <laughs> and the point is, is that you every plastic surgeon you go to is going to tell you he does noses. I mean, some will say they don't do noses, but the ones who say they do noses, and that's the majority of them, have very little experience. So most plastic surgeons who do noses suck at it. They may take they may they may have done a few in their residency, and that's a few. And then in their first five years, a young plastic surgeon on average will do a total a total of between five and 15 noses in the first five years. That's crazy. It's the most complicated operation in plastic surgery with the most variables. And even the best hands goes negative, goes wrong a lot. But you're taking the most complicated operation and taking people who've done, that's the operation they have done the least, no matter what they tell you. And I'm telling you, plastic surgeons, I hate to tell you this, are liars are liars because they're in the business, they have expensive offices, and they've got to make their overhead. I know I've said this a lot in Dr. Miskity Pig, and I like plastic surgeon, but I'm telling you, they're liars. They're big-time liars. And so, But that's we, why I feel like it's so important to ask those questions that you talk about, like how many of these do you do in a week? Like I look at Paul Nassif, and if you look at the work he does on Botched, he does an unbelievable job yeah, he does. of reconstruction. He's one of those guys who does – uh, high volume. So he's a guy you'd want to go to for your nose. Well, he's a guy, right. He does a high volume and he's also, you know, in his fifties. So he's, he's got the gray hair. He's, he's going to give you the good result, but I promise you as good as he is now, he sucked his first five years. He sucked his first 10 years. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that because I know he did suck. I have no idea he sucked, but he sucked because everybody sucks in the first 10 years of being a rhinoplasty surgeon. So I recommend to you if you're going to if, – if the guy does noses and breasts – let me put it this way. If he doesn't do just basically noses, don't go to him. Like you're not coming to me for a nose. I can do a pretty decent nose, OK? I, I don't even do noses anymore because I, you know, I'm paired up with Paul and another guy in my office who does amazing noses. And so I give them all to these guys. I don't do them at all. So – Nose jobs suck as an operation unless you're going to the guy in your community who does the most. Here's the trick. How do you figure out the guy in your community who does the most because they're all competing with each other? They're all doing a few and there is one guy who is one or two guys in each community and it's only one or two. One or two guys in a community who are doing the bulk of the noses, okay? In in my community – you know, it's one guy in Beverly Hills. There's like three guys. Paul, of course, is the guy. Um, but in your community, if you're in Oklahoma, I almost want to tell you don't don't have your nose done. Okay, because I can't imagine there's a guy. Maybe there is. I don't know, but I can't imagine there's a guy who's like a stud in noses. We know a de- – there's a dentist down the hall for me named Mark Olson. Oh, yeah. Okay? I just talked to him on Heather yeah. DeRosa. Okay. Talked this guy, him. this guy, you go into his office and I've been to what, 10 dentists in my life and I'm a doctor. So I, I'm sensitive to what he's doing. I don't – you know, I – as a plastic surgeon, you study aspects of the teeth 
because we do cleft lifts, cleft palates. We work right, with dental right, stuff. Right. We don't do dentistry, but you understand a good dentist exquisitely versus a bad dentist. This guy, when he takes care of my mouth, Mark Olson, Newport Beach, this, I'm telling you, this guy is so slick. It's painless. It takes moment. I mean, everything. I, you know what I told him yesterday? Are you ready for this? Yes. I told him that he was. Oh, I know. The Terry Dubrow of dentists. I said, yeah, man, yeah. you are so slick. You're the Terry. <laughs> the Terry Dubrow of dentists because. He's very humble. No, I'm just telling know. you, you know, if you're, if you're a superstar in your field, you need to be recognized. And this guy is a superstar. I'm not saying I'm a superstar. I'm just saying he's a superstar in his field. The way, honey, he's worked on you. Isn't he a superstar? Well, I just talked from the to mo- about him. Yeah. From the way he handles the mouth to the things he tells you, he's insane. You know what's interesting? So we're taking our kids on vacation, right? But so it's all about you want them to have enriching experiences. And vacation is a way to do that. But how do you do that on a daily basis? What oh, do you do with so your kids? so hard. Yeah. It's so hard, especially the beginning stages because you really – you want to enrich them and you want them to have all these incredible academic experiences, be in the right environment. But it's hard to know where to go. There's this place called Kitty Academy yeah. where they really promote character, compassion, life essentials. So they make each child – every curious moment they have, they promote, which I think is amazing. Instead of sitting around just like doing dittos. Yes. They take these kids and they take them on an adventure. So it's educational childcare. Yes. Every day is not just another day. It's another opportunity to be amazing. Kitty Academy Educational Child Care. For what age kids? So they're now enrolling children from six weeks to 12 years old in full time and before and after care. So if you need some care for your child and you want it to be amazing and inspiring and fun, let Kitty Academy arrange a personal tour because that's the best way to do it is go take a tour of the facility. You can go to kittyacademy.com. That's K-I-D-D-I-E academy.com. All right. So there's noses. There's inner thigh lifts. Let's That's t- two. Let's talk about some other operations. Go. Are you ready for this? Breast lifts. Why? Breast lifts suck. Now, do they suck in everybody? No. But they suck in a lot of the people. If you're having a breast lift and you're not in the right category of patients and you're not being done by a surgeon who does a ton of breast lifts, and those are like noses, breast lifts are not done – frequently by a lot of plastic surgeons. They'll all tell you, oh, I do a breast lift. It's called a mastopexy, by the way. They, I, it's one of the operations I see that's that's sort of ruined more than any other body surgery is breast lift because it's very common. Now, mm. Mm, breast lifts with a breast augmentation, oh my goodness. That is a hard operation. Unless you do it day in, day out, you suck at it. Now, there are some very talented surgeons who got straight A's, who were at the top of their class in medical school, who did top general surgery, who were in the best plastic surgery programs. When they come out, you know what they are? Shitty plastic surgeons. Ooh, did I just say that? Oh, you're you're on fire. No, I'm saying goodness. they're great doctors and they're going to be really good plastic surgeons, but when they come out, they suck. I remember when my, my mom used to tell a story that – about my uncle that because he was an oral surgeon mm-hmm. and when he finally graduated from his oral surgeon oral surgery residency, residency yeah 
that my grandmother said, oh, let him practice on someone else, not the family. Your grandmother was a very smart woman. <laughs> but here's the thing. Every doctor, when they come out, sucks. They just suck. Now, can a general surgeon do a good appendectomy? Yeah. When he's in his first five years? Sure. Can he do a decent hernia? Yeah. You know, I'm not letting anybody touch me in the first five years doing a hernia, right? But even though they've done a million hernias. But here's the thing, the truth about plastic surgery in your residency. In your residency, you really – in your plastic and reconstructive surgery residency, you do mainly reconstructive surgery. You don't get to do much cosmetic surgery. So the guy – you learn a lot of cosmetic in you conjunction lear- with your – You learn it, but you don't get to do it mm-hmm. and it's a sport. So you can talk about hitting a backhand down the line. What is a doctor to do? Because here you are. You're this highly skilled, trained person who needs the 1,000 hours – 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. Yeah. To get amazing at something, but you can't get amazing at something because, according to you, no one should be allowed to do it. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't be allowed to do it. They're perfectly trained to do it. You just suck at it. (laughs) There's a difference. But I don't want to go to them. I know. Here's the thing. You know know what we do in plastic surgery? We fake it till we make it. And unfortunately, we're faking it on you. So... um, you know, I hate to say this, but don't go to a young plastic surgeon unless it's a straightforward procedure. Breast augmentation, you can go to a young plastic surgeon because he's going to give you a, a discount. Well, how about this? Who are the plastic surgeons that are young? The What procedures can you go to a young guy? I mean, uh, me off the top of my head, I would say a simple breast dog yes. and liposuction. Liposuction. I say a tummy tuck, no, because that's more complicated. I would say a thigh lift, absolutely never. Never Go to get a thigh lift from a guy in his first five to ten years. Just don't do it. Never have your nose done by a guy in his first five years. Never. Don't do it. Uh, liposuction. Uh, you know. Uh, a regen. You know. Uh, here's the thing. You know. If plastic surgeons heard me say this, they would like freak out and want to just annihilate me. But just don't go to a guy who's in his first five years. They suck. They just suck. I don't care how slick their office, how nice their suit, they're faking it till they make it because they are good at butt sores. So let me ask you this. (laughs) That's a good question though because um, I remember before I met you, I went to uh, a consult with a friend who wanted to have a rhinoplasty. She wants to have her nose done. And we went to this guy's office who was like the guy. Okay. He the was nose really, guy or the plastic the surgeon? The nose guy. guy. Oh, the plastic right. surgeon. He was a plastic surgeon who was known for his noses. Okay. So he went into his office and I was sitting there and I did, I have to say, at the time, I was really, you know, young, I was like 25 and I evaluated the office. Yeah. Thinking. Oh, yeah, well, smoking mirrors. You're evaluating smoking mirrors. kind of schleppy here. Maybe he's not that good. And my friend said to me, he's done. This person, this person, this person, he's the guy. Well, when you're the guy, you don't care about your office. That's what I'm getting to. So I went in and I met the guy with her and I, I was blown away. He had the gray hair, by the way. Okay. Not old, but, you know, he was obviously a seasoned. Is he still is he still practicing or is he retired? No, he just recently retired. Well, let's talk about who he is. Why not mention his name? He oh. was a superstar. Yeah. Dr. Roland Daniel. Yeah, Roland oh, Daniel. Oh, I mean, this was the guy. Yeah. Superstar. Superstar. Wrote the books. Yeah. Literally Genius. wrote the textbooks. Master. So went in and the officer Schleppy met him and he he was just like a genius and her nose was perfection. Oh, he... Perfection. And later I thought, 
And that was the moment before I met you. Who cares what the office looks like? It's about, I mean, my point is you can walk into someone's office and be blown away by a beautiful marble spa like atmosphere of an office that someone spent a fortune on. That doesn't mean the surgery is good. What you need to look at, the things to look at, as Terry's talked about so many times, but the things to look at are the before and afters. The way which, which that, by the way, are full of BS too. He's picking his best before and afters. I know, but at least they're there. Yeah. See more than two. Ask yeah. for ten. Ask I, how I, many. I think it's weak. Ask how many they do in a month, and then you want to see how the doctor treats you. Yes, I agree with well, you. Well, what else then? Well, first of all, you're going to look when he graduated. You want a lot of years, okay? You want to look to see whether he is one of the guys always mentioned on the internet as a guy who does this operation, right? So there's like five or six guys who are always mentioned as the nasal guys. They're good. They're good because, ready for it, wait for it, they've done the most. Surgical experience to a plastic surgeon is like steroids to a bodybuilder, okay? You can't get ripped and giant and muscular without steroids. You can't get... You can't master a procedure, no matter how smart you are, no matter how talented you will ultimately be, until you get the experience. I promise you, if Roger Federer, who is the best of greatest tennis player of all time, didn't get to play tournaments all the time and train, he would have sucked. Okay, and so even guys with the potential who be who are the best to be the best, unless they have a ton of experience they're no good now here's the thing i actually think except for paul nassif because he just built a new office and his office is sick so good so nice except for him in a to a certain degree the nicer the office the probably the worse he is why because more smoke and mirrors yeah i mean when you're rocking you're not thinking about sprucing up your office you don't care. It's, you know, I, me, I ain't buying new furniture for my office. That's what I don't need that to get patients in my office. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reason I got lucky, and this is luck, is that I was pretty good early on, pretty good. But shortly into my career, I got a television show called The Swan. And The Swan featured me as a plastic surgeon. I was good on it. I did a high volume. I had great training at UCLA's plastic surgery program. But it converted me from a medium volume plastic surgeon to a high volume plastic surgeon and it made me internationally known. And that gave me the experience. That gave me surgical steroids. And so I became, you know, a much, much better surgeon that would have happened to anybody in my situation. I got lucky. And then I got a lot of TV shows. And once you start getting consistent TV shows then that are on all over the all over the world, then you get a surgical experience like a bodybuilder lifting weights 7 days a week, a a guy who plays tennis, trains for 6 hours a day. Whatever, you get the experience that nobody else has and you get really good at it. Paul right now is 10 times the nasal surgeon he was before he started botch now before botch he was very good but what here's the weird thing had botch come into our lives 20 years ago well, i don't know what the heck we would have done because we would have done it and but we wouldn't have been able to make the first two seasons work because we weren't good enough but you know you don't know here's the thing about being a plastic surgeon 
And Roland Daniel, that nasal surgeon I'm telling you about when I was a, a medical student at UCLA and I ran into him, he he used to joke that you don't plastic surgeons don't even know how much they suck in their five first five years until they're 15 years later and they think back and they go, oh yeah, I actually sucked and I didn't even know it. It's weird because you're your own best evaluator. And so my point is, is you can go in and be swayed by the office. You can go in and be swayed by the before and afters, but you really want to find a guy who does a giant amount of surgery. And there is a way to find those guys. And I mean, there's to a certain degree, word of mouth, except it's from like one person, word of mouth in terms of every time I hear about this, uh, talk about this operation, this guy's name always comes up. That's probably a good indication that he is a um, good surgeon, that he's the guy for you. Although, you know, I found like with people that, you know, when I hear the moms talking at school and someone goes, oh, he's the stomach guy. Uh, nine out of ten times. I've seen that's this because, happen. That's so because much. they know – one or two people whose stomach they did. No, I know, but whenever someone says he's the stomach guy or he's the no, oh, he does, but this is how what follows up. He does something different. Yeah, oh, that's BS, by the way. But that's my point. You, there's no one's doing anything differently. They're just doing it better. That's, that is a great point. Yeah, by the way, the worst surgeons are the ones that say that have a new procedure or a original or novel way of doing this. Never go to them because It's like they, getting the new iPhone. Yeah, they There's made, bugs. <laughs> no, yes, and they've made up this operation to stand out. So they're creative, they're creative PR, self-PR marketing people, but they suck. Or it's sometimes possible that they're actually pretty good, but they got creative and they, they have to be creative marketers and good plastic surgeons too. So my point to you is if you're considering plastic surgery, know that there are some operations that suck. I use the word suck a lot today. Forgive me, everyone, but they're, you know, suck. And that's inner thigh <laughs> You lift. sound like our 13 year olds. I know. First of all, isn't it funny? My brother, Chris, he, he has those prepared meal things. Yeah, fresh and lean. Yeah, he does fresh and lean. You he ever seen it. that? Yeah. No, I, he, by the way, they're in the refrigerator downstairs. So what's the deal with fresh and lean? Fresh and lean is pretty cool. There's a lot of those kind of delivery services, but this one has been around since 2010. Yeah. And they're made to order weekly from scratch. What's cool about them is fresh and lean uses organic ingredients and they're vacuum sealed and then they're delivered in a refrigerated box anywhere in the United States. And, you know, for all of us picky people that have all of our issues, the meals are always gluten, soy, and dairy-free. Right. Which, you know, for me is huge with no preservatives, no additives, no antibiotics, no secret sauce. It's just clean food. Like if you ever wanted a private chef at home that just made you clean food so you could stay on plan, Fresh and Lean is the way to go. He loves it. Yeah. Fresh and Lean meals arrive fresh. They're never frozen. They're ready to eat. Just go in the refrigerator. 
pull a meal out when you're hungry and add a little extra seasoning if you want to. And you can heat it up in a microwave if you want or on the stovetop. What enjoy. I, what totally I've, easy. What I've seen from him is the menu is unbelievably varied. Like he'll have purple eggplant brown rice pasta with wild salmon and sweet curry quinoa bowls and all natural chicken breast. They look so good with that almond butter cups. Yum. No, it's good. They're low calorie and they're nutrient dense. And you can customize your plants. You can have one to three meals a day, five to seven days a week, or you can add sides of protein, carbs, snacks, or you could just do it a la carte. So if you just want like a lunch here and a breakfast there, you can do that too. Okay. Plus they have the standard and low carb plans, vegan options, so many ways to do so this. So how do you get to them? All right. So you go to www.freshnlean.com slash DMGP as in Dr. Mrs. Guinea Pig with promo code DMGP to get 15% off your meal plan. Oh my gosh, we give them 15% if they put in DMGP. Yeah, Dr. Fresh, Mrs. Guinea Pig. The letter N That's cool. and then lean. Freshnlean.com slash DMGP. Don't forget to put it in. Hey everyone, it's Caitlin Bristow. You can listen to my show, Off the Vine, with Caitlin Bristow every Tuesday on Podcast One. Hear me take on taboo topics and unfiltered advice. I'll also be dishing with some amazing celebrities. Oh, and did I mention there'll be wine? So grab a glass and join me every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig with Terry and Heather Dubrow. Now, let me tell you a couple other operations very briefly that are low-volume procedures that unless you get lucky, the guy, no matter how good he is, hasn't done very many. So there's an operation called brachioplasty. Brachioplasty, which is an arm lift, which is a, a long incision from the armpit to the elbow to tighten skin and people have lost a lot of weight. First of all, don't do the operation. It's a sucky operation unless unless you have an extraordinary amount of loose skin and you're willing to tolerate a scar. By the way, the plastic surgeon tells you, oh, the scar is invisible. You'll barely see it. Liar. Liar. Remember, we're all liars. Well, you either get a seam from your armpit to your elbow or yeah. you get pleats in your armpit, right? Yeah, and it's an operation that's not a very common operation. So you're getting a guy who is having a slow month. He's telling you to put a seam, a scar – a seam is a nice way of saying it, scar, down your arm. And it's an operation that in the last 10 years he's done, oh, four times. And he'll never tell you he's done four times. But, you know, even me, probably the highest volume plastic surgeon in the world, me, I only do that operation mm, once a month. Once a month. And I'm the highest volume plastic surgeon in the world. And I do it once a month. That means that if I do it once a month, that means the guy you've chosen has done it once in the last seven months. Okay? So it's a sucky uh, – but by the way, if you have a lot of loose skin, if you've lost a lot of weight, if your loose skin is so severe that you're willing to trade it for an ugly scar potentially, then you're a good candidate for it. And yeah, go to- and if your goal – it depends on your goal. I mean if you've lost – 100 plus pounds and you have a ton of loose skin and you just want to look good in clothes yeah i'm all for it and honestly if you go to someone who really does a lot of these and you're not someone that scars poorly that's good then it's not terrible and even if you end up with kind of like a whitish scar you could always go in and have it tattooed to skin color and hide it it's just the the thing that bothers me about this procedure is there was um those twins that were on botched recently, 
that uh, are models and they have these yeah. huge implants and big butt implants and all that kind of stuff. And and one of them, they're very young, and one was saying, I want my arms done. Right. That to me is silly. She had had it done. Yeah, she, she had already had, a, had it done. It was a very ugly scar, but that was a that what's called that's called a limited incision brachioplasty, where it's just a scar in the armpit. I'm actually talking about more of a regular brachioplasty where you have an, an, an armpit to elbow scar. Um, so I'm putting that on the list of suck operations, inner thigh lift, arm lifts, rhinoplasties, except done by very, very, very experienced guys who do essentially nothing but rhinoplasties. So there's three suck operations, okay? How um, many – that's like a drinking game. How many times have you said the word suck? Right. Uh, you want another suck operation? Okay. Buttock implants suck. Of all the buttock augmentation done, maybe 10, 5, 10% is done by uh, buttock implant as opposed to fat transfer. It's a sucky operation. Now, you, I have a friend who's a blast surgeon who says, oh, I love them. Oh, really? I love And And I, he, I go, oh, yeah, well, every time I've done it, it's been good. And, you know, he basically is a liar. And he'll say, and I know him because I've seen his practice for the last three years. I've seen him do one. But he'll tell you he's done He'll do, he's done 25 a year and he's done one in the last three years. Hmm. And so – That's why you should ask for before and after because if he only has one picture, what, yeah. what are you going to do? And so I would just assume <laughs> there's the – you know when you're dating someone in the beginning and they're exaggerating all of their wonderful features and uh, minimizing their negative features, you know. Um, assume the same for a plastic surgeon. He's exaggerating. And he's minimizing. And he also, you know, he has to because he's a plastic surgeon. He's got an extraordinarily expensive office and a ton of staff. And the only way he makes money is signing you up for surgery. It's really weird. It's really weird. Now, you come to a guy or girl who's extremely experienced and they have a big, you know, they have a lot of people in their office. They are totally honest by and large unless they're psychopaths. There's a lot of psychopaths in medicine, and, but they are totally honest. And so that's who you want to go to. Go to the busiest people, okay? There. So we've talked about four operations. That suck. Okay. By the way, the title of this episode of Dr. Miss Guinea Pig is, is Plastic Surgery Operations That, that Suck. suck. <laughs> um, I have a question, actually. I have a fungus. Ah. There's a fungus among us. Yeah. I got a fungus on my nails. So I get gel nails. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, I used to get acrylics years ago, mm-hmm. which are so bad. And I did have, a, I did get a fungus or two back in those days. But then I got rid of all of that normal, healthy nails, no problem. But I like the gels because I know people will find this hard to believe, but I'm not into maintenance. I don't like, I don't get facials. I don't like sitting there. I, I just don't like any of it. Right. Um, I know you, you would think I'm really high maintenance and getting pampered and prodded all the time. You're but. also very blessed with good genetics. Thank I know you. I'm your husband, but you, anyone who knows you and everyone knows you can just look at you and go, yeah, well, what? Yeah, okay. It's easy for you to say Thank that. you, honey. But I also, I feel like, you know, you, you eat the right things and you exercise and you put the right facial and products on. And you pick on, your parents properly. And you, <laughs> and you take the right supplements. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're a pro at picking I know you're, bit, you're joking. I'm but. joking because you, look, you're married to me and you're also – a professional in your own right, you know what the, the best products are. Well, I mean, my 
thinking on supplements is totally done a 180, but oh we can talk gosh, about that later. Yeah. But the deal is, is that I feel like if you eat right and you exercise and you take the right supplements, that the inside kind of bleeds to the outside. No so I try to do as little as possible as far as, you know, facials and treatments and stuff like that. But I don't have time to sit there and wait for my nails to dry. And I don't like doing it in general. So I get the gel nails because they last for like two and a half weeks. Can, to, can I ask you a stupid question? Yeah. What the hell is a gel nail? So basically, it's a kind of nail polish yeah. that they apply. There's a primer, the polish, and the top coat, and they put it under a black light to cure it. Yes. And it seals. So it stays. you a bigger nail than you actually have? No, no, no. It doesn't do anything for the volume of your nail. It's just the color. Oh, okay. It's just the color. So it's basically, you know, when you get your nails done and Back in the old days, you had to sit there and wait for the polish to dry. Right. When you put it under the black light or whatever it is, cured. it's cured. Oh, it's dry. Interesting. So you can put your feet back in your shoes. So you is, can... that, is that what you do to your toes also? Uh-huh. So is that – by the way, what percent of people who go to a nail salon, which by the way is like my favorite thing to do. I know. I took you last week. Oh, my gosh. I sit there and it's heaven. Anyway – because I love the massage. I know. I love the touching of the hand. <laughs> All right. But I digress. But anyway, what percent of nail care in a salon is done with gel nails, would you say? Uh, you know what? I don't or know. Would you half? I would think less? it's at least half. So yeah. is it is it more expensive? Uh-huh. Oh, that's why people might do it less? Maybe. But also people that don't want to sit there. Oh, and wait for it to dry. And wait for it to dry. I mean, back in, you know, before I was doing gel nails, I would have them painted. I was so impatient. I'd like run in the car, ruin one. Do gel nails last longer? And they last longer. How so much longer? regular polish, I mean, you could chip a nail the next day. Oh. If you have gel nail gel nails on, they can last two and a half weeks. Really? So what's really great for it is if you're going on a vacation. Ah, you need them last. And here's the other thing. Um, if you get a neutral color... You can actually, because you might think to yourself, well, what if I want to change my nail polish color? You can actually get a very pale, neutral color. And paint the gels? And you can paint nail polish over them. Can you paint nail polish over nail polish? Uh, no, because it won't dry well. Okay. But if you have gel nails, you can paint a different color over it, wear it for a night, and then quickly take it off with nail polish remover, and it won't ruin the gels. By the way, what, what percent, normally we're into an educational teaching entertainment mode. Uh -huh. What percent of the females in this audience know that all of this? All of them. Oh, everybody. So everyone knows me? about it. Yeah, everyone knows oh, about okay. a gel nail. So sorry, guys. <laughs> so anyway, so the question is, does it hurt your nails or does it help your nails? From the only way gel nails hurt hurt your nails is that if you pick them off. Why? Because you're pulling off the top layers of your nail beds. Is that true? Yeah. Because oh, they're so attached? Because they're attached. Oh. The way you get them off is you soak them. They soak oh. them in acetone. Hmm. Nail polish remover. Okay. They have like little pieces of foil and they soak them off and then they take them off. Okay. And that way your nail beds remain strong. Okay. Um, but some people pick them off and it's really honestly kind of nice to pick them off sometimes. It's kind of satisfying. Kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. I had a broken nail and they put a gel on it. And this hasn't happened to me in a dozen years. And I ended up getting a fungus oh. on my nail. And I saw it and I filed it. And usually that gets rid of it. And I had them put a new gel on and I forgot about it. And the gel fell off. And oh. I have a hugely infected fungus well, on need, my nail. You need oral antifungal. Well, this is... I, so, so far I've been putting a topical on there. Yeah. 
I, I guess my question is if you get a fungus on your nail, because yeah. nails or, or, and hands are uh, plastic surgery issue. Yeah. So weirdly, plastic surgeons in our training are know everything about nails. <laughs> And, the, and we know how to transplant nails. We know how to salvage nails because weirdly, 10% of your training in plastic surgery is about the hand. And we most plastic surgeons don't actually practice hand surgery, but we're fully trained in it. It's in all our tests. So we are pretty much experts in the hand and certain the nails. I know the anatomy of the nail and the nail bed and how nails are made and so on and so forth. So fungus of the nails. Now, there has been a change in the last five, seven years how fungus of the nails is treated because there's a new medication. In my day, it was called oral griseofulvin was the treatment for nail fungus. Uh, but there's a new one, and the name escapes me because I, you know, I'm not a nail fungus surgeon anymore. I never really was. And there's a new medication. I think if you have a nail fungus, if there is in fact a, a fungus, fungus among, among us. us you should just go on the to- the orals and just obliterate it, particularly if any of the topicals, which, by the way, topical for fungus and nails, not very good. Really? No. It's acute. There are so many at the drugstore. I know. But if it, 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 clearly, if it's not working, <laughs> then you should go on the orals. And well, I'll... I'm trying it. Yeah. And I think it's – nail fungus is probably more prevalent in toes. It is? Yeah. Why? Uh, I think the circulation in the toes is worse than the circulation in the hand and the delivery of oxygen and immune mediators that can get rid of fungal infections are much more powerful. Like from community showers? Yeah. Really? Well, you know me, I always have a little bit of a, I don't, I don't now and I haven't for a while, but I always, for my, my whole life, because I work out so much and I will, I haven't for a long time, but will change in locker rooms. I'm very weirdly sensitive to... Fungus. Foot fungus. Yeah, I've always seen it. Yeah, I know. And there's been, disgusting. Yeah, some red. Fast acting to fast nasty. acting, which is very <laughs> effective. Um, but you can't spray that on your your nail fungus. And so uh, there's a medication, an oral one that could easily be looked up that gets rid of it very quickly. So if it, if it lasts two or three or four days longer, uh, we're something you were going to want to transfer you to. Okay. That's one of the reasons it's important to take the kids to a nail salon that's super clean so they don't get a fungus Yeah. on their nails. I know. It's so gross. I know. By the way, you know what I saw at one of the coffee stores? What? Go-Go Squeeze. You did? Yeah. Go-Go Squeeze so yummy. Oh, my God. So good. Have you guys ever seen those snacks that you give to kids and they're like in this little squishy pouch and it's got a cap on the top so you unscrew the cap and they squish it in their mouth. Go-go squeeze. Go-go squeeze. 100% fruit, no artificial anything. So yummy. I personally, I like to bring them to the movies. Yeah. Because I make a deal with them. Like you have the go-go squeeze and then you can have something else. Like you can have a popcorn or candy, but you have to have the go-go squeeze Uh. first. Because what I find is, first of all, they're getting 100% natural fruits or the fruits and veggies mixed together. Right. And then they're kind of full. So by the time I give them the popcorn or whatever, they don't even want that much. That's good. It's like a win-win. There's 14 great tasting varieties like apple, 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 banana, apple, raspberry, lemon twist. But my favorites are the fruit and veggie blends. Those are yummy. Yeah, like zip and zinging pear with apples and carrots. They have uh, the apple, mango, and butternut squash. It's so good. And they're so yummy. Kids love them because it's got to taste good or kids aren't going to eat it. 
Totally. I love how they say, go, go, squeeze. Go, 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 squeeze. Give me Mommy, go, go, give me a go, go. Mommy, go, go. Go, go, squeeze. Comes in a squeezable pouch so kids can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. You know what I'm excited about? What are you excited about? I'm excited that, well, I'm not excited that Max and Nikki are going off to camp, but I'm excited that we're taking a trip just with Kat and Coco. We call them the little ones. I call them the littles. They're and 10. I, and six. And I said, this is the final four trip. But what's funny is I've taken the two of them away alone, but you and I haven't taken them away alone. Where'd you take them? Um, to Legoland. That's not, is it overnight? Overnight. Yeah. yeah. We went to the Legoland water park and all that. Yeah. Right. So this will be my first time with just these two creatures and it'll be interesting because, um, you know, it's, it's a unique relationship that you have with your kids when half of your kids, particularly older ones, are gone because the power structure changes and their personalities are so different. So I'm curious to see what this vacation's like because we're going to Hawaii, right? Yeah, going to Hawaii. Going to Hawaii and we're going – should we talk about where we're going? (laughs) So we're going going to a place that – um, we're going to a Four Seasons hotel where next door there's a hotel with lots of slides. And Terry refuses to stay there. So we're going to stay at the fancy hotel next door so Senor King can sit by the pool while I take the two little ones on the slides. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's the whole resort is a slide-type resort. You can spend the entire day – it's like sort of slide adventure land, the resort next to the Four Seasons. And so, um, I mean, I will do it for a day, but I, you know, I'm one of these, I go to sleep at 11 or 12, I'm up at, you know, three and I'm up at five and I go to work and I come home and I'm very programmed. And when I go on vacation, Heather, Luckily for me, allows me to. This is she sort of says, "Okay, you're on vacation. You're not here just to be a babysitter." She actually lets me vacation, which is an amazing yeah, thing for course. a wife to you do. Yeah, deserve it. You work so hard. Yeah, and for me, what I want to do is um, I want to sit and I want to veg. And I'm not a good sitter and vegger, but I can do it for a few days on vacation. I'm good for about three days, and then I have to go back to work because I start to feel like I, you know. You've been so much better on vacation. So I know we have to wrap it up soon, but before we go, like, why don't we talk about what kind of things people can do to learn to actually enjoy the vacation? Because I think what you used to do was, it, it was problematic because we were there and you couldn't be present in the vacation because of things that were either going on when you left or things you had to go back to and it defeated the whole purpose of it. And now you have a different relationship with vacations, which I love. And of course, I'm part of the fix because I try to make it stress-free for you. But right. what do you think people can do I mean, to be present and enjoy the vacation? I think you have to, and this is really easy to say and hard to actually do, but you have to let it go. You have to say... You know, and it's particularly hard when you're a doctor because, you know, at the end of the day, your covering doctor isn't you. So if your patients are having issues, you have to be on the phone with them, even if you're on, you're in Brazil. You know, you just have to. You have to talk to them um, because a lot of what I do is there's a psychological component. But, I mean, for me, what I've done is I basically commit to the vacation. I say to myself – 
you know, I'm only on this planet for a certain number of years left and I'm never going to say I wish it would have worked more. So this is that moment in life where I've got to look at my kids, see my kids, appreciate my kids and let it go. And so what I do is I, as soon as we get to the airport, I try to say, okay, this is my time. This is time for me to be selfish. Stop thinking about that patient who you did this incredibly impossible thing on and the blood supply, you're worried about that or your office staff who are fighting or whatever and let it go because it doesn't do – the whole point of vacations is that it makes you a better person when you come back because you're recharged. So I've gotten better at that even though I'm 10 times busier now than I ever have been in my entire life. and you know, I'm a little older, so I'm a little wiser, and I'm a little closer to being done with this earth, even though I have a few years left. So there's that. The nice thing about getting older, even though I'm you know pretty strong and pretty tough, is that the the perspective of, okay, this is my last third. So shut up and relax. You're not getting out of here anyway, so chill, enjoy yourself. I also think it has something to do with where you are in your life. I mean, I think that when things are very stressful at home. It's hard to check out. Oh, it's not. Some people are good at it because they want to escape. But I think my best vacations are when things are great because it makes me want to enjoy the time, but also super anxious to get back to the fun things that I was doing. Yeah. I mean, you've been better at vacations always than I have, even though you and I, although very much in love and get along very great, we're both really high strung people. Yeah, that's true. And so we're not – the one thing about you, you've always been good at living in the moment in terms of celebrating vacations and I, I, I feel like I can't. And uh, But I'm better now. You are. Yeah. So I'm excited to take that trip with the kids. You know what I'm really excited to do too? What? Orange County Fair. Orange County Fair. Going next weekend. Texas barbecue. What are you going to eat? I'll tell you what I'm going to eat. I already talk, I, this was my whole conversation with the kids in the car this morning on the way to camp. Or maybe it was yesterday. Um, I'm going to eat. Everyone talked about what they were going to eat. Turkey leg. I, I, you know what? I didn't have a turkey leg last year. I had the um, the chicken kebabs. Okay, chicken. But I good. think I want a hot dog this year. Hot dog? Yeah. Huh. I have a, a jonesing for like a big, yummy hot dog. Okay. I want a hot dog. No bun. No bun. Yeah. Corn on the cob. Corn on the cob. Very good. Um, I want... Um, no funnel cake. And a funnel cake. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no funnel cake for me this year. Not into it. Why? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I think for me, I don't like it enough to say. Oh, well, what's your one thing that you would want to eat that's yummy? At the fair? Yeah. Nothing. Really? No. What's your one thing in the whole world you'd want to eat that's yummy? Oh, potato chips and dip. <laughs> but they have kettle chips, the fresh kettle chips. I, you know what? I'm not See, a. See, I like, oh, I would eat. I think I want to, I want chicken and I want fries and I want a corn on the cob no. and I want a funnel cake. Yeah, I uh, there because the food is so yummy and so junky and I don't like to eat standing up and I don't like to eat. In, I always get us a table. I don't like to eat in, in uncontrolled environments. There, I don't enjoy it. I, you know, for me, I, I'm willing to cheat big time if it's in a perfect environment. Like if I'm at. A fancy, not a fancy, a nice hotel or a nice place where there's no rush and I'm not, you know, when I'm at the Orange County Fair, I'm sort of working a little bit, you know. I love it. I think one of the things that I 
I pride myself in our family is creating memories. No doubt. And I know that my kids are, it's so funny. One of my girlfriends texted me yesterday and she goes, you're going to love this. So-and-so, her child asked me, why have I never gone to the fair? And we've been going to the Orange County Fair. People are shocked that I like the fair. Oh, the fair. yeah. And we've been going since the twins were two, yeah, I think. The reason I like because they love it. They love it. But we've been going since the twins were two. And I remember being pregnant with oh, cat. Yeah. And riding an elephant with the twins, oh, yeah. pregnant with cat. I remember being there, pregnant with Coco, and you. I mean, I had you push me around in the stroller because mm. it was so hot. And it's it's, it's been an amazing memory. But it, watching pig races and yeah. hot dog eating contests, and watching them get older and go on all graduate from the baby rides to the big kid it's, rides. It's and, a small town memory. It's so cute. I love it, and I love that. Nikki, so Max and Nikki are going off to sleepaway camp, not this weekend, but next weekend. And Nikki got invited to go to Lake Havasu. And I said, you know, I want you to be home. I said, I, I'd like you to not go because I want to spend the weekend with you because you're leaving. He goes, yeah, me too. I want to be here. And I go, and we're going to the fair. He goes, we have to get our turkey leg, Mom. <laughs> I said, so cute. Turkey leg. I love that. Yes. Um, anyway, speaking of cheating and hunger, what do you say we go get some Spicy, skinny oh cucumber God. margaritas. No, I'm going to have a cucumber, a jalapeno. You want a spicy margarita? How about I'm going to say it? He's going to have a spicy margarita. I'm texting margarita. our guy, table okay. in 10. So Terry likes a spicy margarita, It's and it's beautiful, too. I love the little peppers they put in there, but I like it. If you want less calories, I order a skinny, spicy cucumber margarita. It's so good. It's jalapeno and a margarita. Doesn't that not seem like it goes together? No, it does. It's sweet and spicy. It's, it's like salted caramel. so unbelievably so good. good. Yeah. Wow. You guys, we're so thankful about your support and we appreciate you listening to us. Yes. And again, thank you for the hundreds and I mean hundreds of submissions already that we've gotten for um, our Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig book uh, about diet and exercise. And I promise, 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 I will let you know here and on Heather Dubrow's World, when we're ready to go, probably about in the next six to eight weeks, we will be meeting that group. Um, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye, you guys. Thanks for listening to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig with Terry and Heather Dubrow. Download new episodes every week on the Podcast One app, iTunes, or at podcastone.com. Hey, have you heard? Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus every episode of The Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick, and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chael Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our one-of-a-kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcast1.com.